Habakkuk said, the Lord is going to make my feet like hinds feet. Now, of course, simply interpreted, that means that God's not going to make the way easier. He's not going to make the way less treacherous. He's just going to impart to you a greater sense of balance so that when you do walk on those rough places, you will not fall. Now, I want you to realize that I can't change that life is going to present you some treacherous decisions that you're going to have to make at some point in your future. You're going to have to make them. I can't change it. You're going to have to decide who you're going to marry. You're going to have to decide where, what kind of ministry you're going to go into. You're going to have to decide that for yourself, and God's going to have to instruct you. And I can't change the treacherousness of those decisions, but I can impart to you a greater sense of balance. So that when you're walking and you're making the decisions, you will not fall. Because God don't want you to fall. And if you do fall, he can pick you up and set you back and say, let's try that one more time. Let's see if we can't walk through it one more time and do it right now to the glory of Jesus. Now, there's one thing that Habakkuk says, and I believe this is what will impart spiritual balance to you, is that regardless of the circumstances, whether the olive trees blossoming and the fig trees producing, or no matter what's happening or how bad it is, I believe that you ought to rejoice in the Lord and joy in the God of your salvation. In other words, you've got to learn how to give the right response to crises, troubles, and trials. You can't be down in the mouth all the time walking on your bottom lip and expect God to give you the balance you need to traverse the treacherous places in life. You're going to have to learn how to rejoice when everything's going down. You're going to have to learn how to praise God when everything's going bad. You're going to learn how to respond correctly to crises in your life. Now you, can, you, you can walk around singing that somebody done me wrong song all you want to, friend, and put your spirit into a vice grip to where you can't get any liberty. If you want that kind of spirit, you can have it. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And even though I might be walking through a difficult place, I've come to exalt Jesus Christ and have joy in serving the Lord. Now, you that are too tired to move, but you just go on and sit back and take it easy tonight. But for the rest of us, we're going to have a Holy Ghost outpouring of God's Spirit that's going to give these young people the balance they need in their life to make the right decision. I think we ought to just go ahead and back our ears up and say, I'm going to have church here tonight, and I'm going to see God operate in his power. Because as far as I can tell, it seems like everybody's trying to do the right thing here. We just got to try to keep you from falling. Because everybody's walking and you're walking with the Lord and you're trying to make the right decisions. I just want to keep you from falling. I want, I want you to turn in your Bibles. I feel like preaching right now. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 35. Brother Enzi, Brother Anderson, all of the faculty, staff, and students of Texas Bible College, I want you to know that it is a tremendous honor and a great privilege for me to be in this service tonight to preach to you the Word of God. I consider this a great honor, and it's just my privilege to be here. And I want you to open up your heart and receive the word of God. I feel an anointing in this house. And you certainly do seem that you love the word of God as well as you like to sing. So far, so good on that, Brother Enzi. And I believe Brother Enzi sort of feels that way himself. And I believe he just sort of just laid it out here that if you just cannot worship with the word, then you just sit down and don't worship while they're beating them drums over there. You know, and I, I just kind of agree with that. I just believe that myself. But you know what? I believe I'm in the right place to say that because this bunch, I believe, loves the Word of God as much as they love singing or anything else. Now, I was reading in my daily devotion 
And I was reading about Saul's rise to power and about how God tremendously anointed him. And so many prophecies went forth, and he even prophesied under the influence of the anointing and how God made him king. And then all of a sudden, I got to this one verse in 1 Samuel 14, 35. One verse now. After all that Saul had experienced and all of the benefits and blessings that God had given him, you would think that this particular man would have already built himself an altar. But you read, this is one verse, 1 Samuel 14, 35. And Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. Now, this was my first response when I read that one verse. Well, Saul, it's about time. I mean, after all God's done for you, at least you could build yourself an altar and thank God for his goodness. But it was just such a long time, such a long period of time before he built his first altar, and it was really too late for him at that particular time. I want to preach to you from this text. It's about time we get an altar attitude. You got a lot of attitudes out there, and everybody seems to get an attitude every once in a while when you get too tired, when somebody says your dress don't look good. You always get an attitude. Well, I want you to get another attitude. I want you to get an altar attitude. Now, God wants to use the students of Texas Bible College to bring revival and to bring growth and to bring a harvest to churches all over North America and even the world. And I want God to use you to do that. But we got to get an altar attitude if we're going to make it work to the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you want this, you lift your hands right now and say, God, I want the altar attitude and give it to me right now in Jesus' name. God, I want you to give us that altar attitude in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anoint your word and let it work on the minds and hearts of these young people. God, I want you right now to pour out your spirit and to give us that altar that we need. To make what you're going to give us consistent and last. I don't want to just splash for a moment. I want to see God work with eternal power and eternal results. To the glory of Almighty God. Do this right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Accomplish this right now in the name of Jesus. I praise you for it. I glorify you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. I believe it's time for revival. I believe it's time for a move of God with power and victory. I believe we ought to wake up and realize God wants to give it to us right now. And I think that we ought to understand that God wants to use us to do it. I don't believe he wants to pass us by and go to somebody else to use them to see revival happen. I believe God wants to use Texas Bible College and every student that's in this place right now to do their part to be what God wants them to be. I believe that we are anointed to serve our generation. But if we're going to make a difference, we've got to be different. We cannot make a difference by blending with the culture. We can only make a difference by having a message that can change people's lives. And I believe we've got a message in the apostolic doctrine that will change people's lives. And I don't think we need to change the message. I don't think we need to mess with it. I think we need to preach it with anointing like we've never had before. I think we need to let God anoint his message and back it up with power. Because my God wants to back up his word. The three Hebrew children. When they were thrown in the fire furnace, but before they were thrown in that furnace, they did not bow, they did not bend, they did not burn, but they didn't blend either. We got a lot of camouflaged Christians. They don't want anybody to know who they are and what they are and what they've got. They don't want to wear the badge of courage and wear that badge that says, I am an apostolic Jesus name, one God church. Well, I got news for you. I believe there's some young people at Texas Bible College that want to wear that badge of courage and declare to the world, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of his name. We don't need camouflage Pentecostals. We need people that are rejoicing in what God has done for them, and they're not ashamed hiding among the stuff.
ashamed of what they are, ashamed of what they've got to do and what they can't do. Now we've got to understand that the people today are more hostile toward Christianity than they've ever been before. And of course, we're going to have to build an altar in our lives if we're going to be able to overcome the kind of persecution that cruel mockings have brought to us in this hour. We sort of, I, I shall say, we've got to grow some roots that will take firm hold so that we will not be easily shaken by our present adversities. I want you to realize that people are labeling us as a cult and people are labeling us and saying that we are under bondage. And these labels can intimidate us and back us off from the message that we believe in and know is the truth of the Word of God. And we've got to learn how to respond to those labels because they want to put the label on us, but I come against it in Jesus' name. And I just want you to understand that I've got the liberty to do anything that I want to do. There's just some things I don't want to do because I don't have the desire to do them anymore. I've been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. You see, I've got an altar attitude that says nobody's making me doing what I'm doing. We're not a cult because I shouldn't have to make anybody worship God. I shouldn't have to make anybody praise God. I shouldn't have to force anybody to do it. If you don't want to do it, sit down. If you don't want to do it, go home. If you don't want to live for God, shut up. But if you've got a desire, if you've got an altered attitude that says nobody's making me, nobody's forcing me, but I want to do it because I want to glorify the name of Jesus. This is what I propose to you. I think we need to change our language about our convictions. So what do you mean, Brother Kinsey? I mean, I don't think we should go around saying, well, my pastor says I can't do it. Pooey on you. Well, my mama says I got to do this, and that's just the way it is. You just, you just destroyed your testimony right there. You need to change your language about your convictions. You need to say, I love Jesus. I want to serve the Lord. Yes, pastor preaches it. Yes, he should preach it. But you should do it because there's something burning down in your spirit that says, I don't want to do it. Because you've got an altar somewhere where you've developed a personal relationship with Jesus and you've personalized the conviction. I tell you what we need in this generation. We need some young people that have personalized their convictions and personalized their faith to where it's your faith, it's your walk, it's your relationship, it's your desire, it's your altar. Personalize the conviction. Another thing we need to do, another thing I want to propose to you, is that we need to get rid of this Pentecostal lottery we got going on. Everybody flipping their coin trying to figure out whether God's going to move or not. Heads are tails. Heads he's going to move, tails he's not going to move. Always trying to guess whether or not God's going to move. According to the scripture where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. Now, my Bible says to me that he has given us power over all the power of the enemy. To tread on serpents, they bite with the head. And to tread on scorpions, they sting with the tail. Looks like heads or tails, we're going to win. <laughs> well, I don't know if God wants to use me. Well, why did he call you and fill you with the Holy Ghost? Sure, he wants to use you. He wouldn't have saved you if he didn't want to use you. Come on, take the guesswork out of this. Quit flipping coins trying to figure out whether God wants to use you. If you are blood-barred and blood-washed and full of the Holy Ghost, you better believe God wants to use you, but He's only going to use somebody that's personalized their conviction. Where it's your attitude. This is my attitude. 
I've got an attitude of praise. I've got an attitude of worship. I've got an attitude, I just want to do it because I love Jesus. Yes, my pastor preached it, but I personalized the conviction, and I don't want to do that because I want to glorify God. You strengthen your relationship with God. I want to show you why Saul failed. When Saul was anointed king, Samuel was the seer that God used to anoint Saul. Samuel was a famous prophet and known and loved by all of Israel. 1 Samuel 3.20 And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now, just before Saul was anointed king, he was out seeking the lost donkey and that belonged to his father. And his servant said, now let's go to where Samuel is and let's find out from him where they are. Now, I want you to know something. As famous as Samuel was, Saul did not know where Samuel lived. His servant did, but Saul didn't. And when they finally caught up with Samuel and they were looking right at him, Saul never recognized him. 1 Samuel 9, 18, then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. He, had to, he was asking the prophet, where do you live? And didn't even recognize him. Now, that's bad. I think it's time for us to start recognizing the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Saul had never been taught to recognize the anointing and he had no appreciation for the word of God and he placed no value on preaching. There was no value in his life on the word of God. He didn't give any importance to it, didn't believe in it, and therefore did not recognize the anointing when he saw it. I think that I would have recognized the prophet. I think that I would have been at church a few times or gone to the tabernacle or somewhere that Samuel was where I would have seen him and remembered him. But Saul never recognized him. I think it's time for us to recognize when God begins to move on us. Some people don't even know when they're in the presence of the king. They just think it's a bunch of noise and everybody's going nuts and people can't behave themselves and worship and praise the Lord. I want to be able to recognize when the Holy Ghost begins to move in a church service. And then I want to respond to it correctly. Whichever way the Holy Ghost is moving, I want to go with it. When Brother Enzi was up here, he could have just taken this service and gone right on and I would have flowed right on with him. Say, wherever you want to take it, Brother Enzi, go on. I'm with you. Hallelujah. Let's have church. Some people don't even know when the presence of God is moving on them, trying to move them into a position where they have a stronger relationship with God. I think it's time for us to wake up and realize that God's talking to us in this hour and the Holy Ghost is speaking to us in this generation. And I'm going to tell you right now that God wants you to get a hold of something, that altar attitude that says, I want to hear the word of God like it is. Some of you don't know how to behave yourself in church. Some of you don't know how to recognize the anointing, don't know how to respond to the word when it's preached under the anointing. You need to get a new revelation that whether it's hot or cold, whether it's heads or tails, God wants to move, and he wants you to connect with it. Hey, there's a word of God in this place, and it's ready to minister to somebody in this house, and I want you to awaken to it right now. Now, I want you to understand that Saul was anointed to be king, and he even prophesied under the anointing of God's spirit. Miraculous signs were used to confirm him as king. In all of this, Saul never one time built an altar. He never sought the Lord. Until the Philistines began to invade Israel and he was afraid that his territory was going to be taken over. But remember that Samuel was the one that had to set the time for him to seek God, not Saul. It was Samuel that said, now you go and you wait and when I get there, we'll sacrifice. I want you to understand that there's just a little difference here when somebody else has always got to set the time for you to seek the Lord and you don't have a personal desire to seek Him for yourself. When I've got to tell you to praise God, it's not good enough. If I've got to tell you to get excited about Jesus, just sit there. Hallelujah. 
If I got to tell you to clap your hands, I say, bless God, Texas Bible College. We're in church now. Everybody clap your hands. If I got to tell you to do it, then it's not good enough. If I've always got to tell you to pray, now come on, we got to pray. Come on, we got to study. We got to find out what the Bible says. If I'm always having to set the time for you, that's not an altar attitude. Brother, when you got an altar attitude, nobody's got to tell you to do it. You want to do it. There's something that says, Brian, something says, Lamar, you need to do it, and you need to do it now. Some of you only seek God when there's trouble in the house and the Philistines have invaded Israel. That's not the time to seek God. You already need an altar in force and a relationship in force to give you power to handle the enemy. You don't need to just pray when you're in trouble. You need to pray when everything's going good because you love Jesus and you got a relationship with him. Now, I travel all over the country. You may be seated, and I preach in different churches, and I like the way y'all worship God at Texas Bible College. I'm going to tell you, Brother Enzi, I like what I see and what I feel around here. This is awesome. This is my first time to ever be here, and I'm just as excited as I can be about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You better watch out, devil. There's going to be some young people come out of this Bible College that's going to deal your kingdom some misery. They're not going to be told. Nobody's got to tell them when to worship. They know they can sense the anointing. And when the anointing comes on the word, they're ready to worship. They can recognize what God's trying to do and focus in on it and say, that's what we want to see and give their praise and worship to produce what my God wants to produce because they can recognize the anointing. Whoa. Now I want to ask you a question. If this man had an anointing from God but possessed no altar, then it seems to me it's possible to have an altarless anointing. You see, Saul didn't honor God and did not glorify God because he received such blessings from the Lord. He did not build his altar in response to the blessing of God. He built his altar in response to the invasion of the enemy. I don't believe that we ought to just sit around and wait for the devil to slap us upside the head before we get to responding in the Spirit. Don't wait for there to be a crisis to come along and cause your response. Don't make your praise be given saying, Oh God, I really need you because I'm in trouble now and I really need a touch from the Lord right now. That's not when you need to respond to the Lord. You need to be able to respond to the Lord. He's been so good to me, and I just can't help but praise Him. My God's anointed me. My God has exalted me and put me in a position where I can be used to do His work. I've been trained and taught so I can go out and mess with the devil and get some souls saved for Jesus and, and live for God right. Woo, hallelujah. Friend, I don't want an altarless anointing. I want an anointing that's got relationship with the Lord Jesus. I don't want just something coming on me. Just to give me the charisma to get the job done. That won't last. You need something more than charisma. You need the Holy Ghost and fire to get a hold of you. That was put in you. With an altar. I think we need to get a hold of something right now that will tear every stronghold down and every kingdom of the devil down and bring us to a place where we can be effectively used for the cause of Jesus Christ. Come on, don't sit around and wait for somebody to set the time for you to clap your hands. Do it spontaneously because you love the Lord. Now, this is what you got to learn how to do. Y'all can be seated. The Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Come up here, devil. Now, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, this is our cultural concept of the word resist. 
we think of the French resistance during World War II. Germany had already taken over their territory, and those that were fighting were forced underground in order to fight to try to regain what the enemy had already taken. Now, that's our cultural concept. It's a defensive position where the devil beats up on us and punches us, and we are always in a defensive position blocking the devil's blows. All right, punch on me just a little bit, and I'm trying to block it. Trying to, oh, devil, don't, don't mess with me. I won't worship too much tonight. <laughs> oh, but that's not what the word in the Eastern culture means. The word resist actually means hit back. Praise God. Some of you sit around and let the devil walk all over you and let the problem and the trouble and the trial walk all over you. You need to rise up with a new attitude. You need to rise up with an altar attitude. That says, I'm going to hit back in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to take anything sitting down. My God, it's not time for us to offer up an illegitimate sacrifice. We need legitimate worship and praise in the church. I don't want an illegitimate anointing. I want an altar anointing. That's legitimate. And genuine. I hope y'all love me after I say this, but it's time for us to lay down recreational praise and just praising because we want to feel good. And just getting enough of the blessing of God so we can feel good and go home and say we've had a good service and I just felt oh so tingly. That's not the reason why you're praising God. You're praising God to glorify Him. You're praising God so God will work in the house. You're magnifying the name of Jesus so he'll walk in here and produce in the power of the Holy Ghost. Huh? Uh-oh, we got another little problem here. Saul did declare and say, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And the reason why he went ahead and offered his illegitimate sacrifice is because of people pressure. And when peer pressure affected him to the point, he could not respond. And so he was not in a position to where he could throw off that peer pressure. And what somebody else thinks about me. So he offered an illegitimate sacrifice because he was afraid that he wasn't going to have enough people to defeat the enemy. I want you to understand it only takes you and God together to whoop the enemy in the name of the Lord. Don't worry about the people pressure and the peer pressure that the devil's going to use on you to try to get you to offer illegitimate sacrifice. And say, oh, well, we could have more of this if we would just relax a little bit. I'm not ready to relax. I'm ready to get on with it. Say, the people will scatter from me. Well, friend, I want you to know that God will gather them back up and show you that he can whip anything with 300 men, two men, one man. There's no restraint to God to say by many or by few. He's able to do it any which way he can. Now some of you are worried about what somebody else is going to think about you. You're worried that somebody else is going to think you're not cool if you praise God and you really get on fire for Jesus and you want to see a work done for God. I don't care what anybody else thinks or says about you, you need to shirk off that pressure and say, I will not offer illegitimate sacrifice and worship to God. If we're going to worship God, we're going to do it legitimately, and we're going to develop an altar anointing. I feel an altar anointing coming in this house. I want you to know God's got a plan for your life. I want you to know that my God wants to reveal those plans to you right now. 
My God does have direction for your life. If you're willing to seek Him and wait on Him, He'll give you that direction. He'll tell you which decision to make and what is right to make. And I believe that you can develop your personal relationship with God right now if you'll develop that altar anointing and that altar attitude. God will walk you through every decision step by step. Now I want you to know something about Saul. You can be seated for just a moment here. I'm feeling good. When you get in this atmosphere, I understand now what you're saying. It's hard to quit. When this gets a hold of you just right, you just want to preach all night. Hey, y'all could stay up all night and fool around. You ought to be able to let me preach all night. Woo! Hallelujah! I just want you to understand that Saul couldn't even recognize his own armor bearer that he had solicited that had been playing the harp under the anointing that removed the evil spirit from him. And I want you to know that in 1 Samuel 16, 21, and David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. But it was also Saul that did not recognize David on the battlefield after his victory over Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 55. And it was in this particular time that he had to ask Abner who the kid was. Couldn't even recognize the anointing that was on David's life, his own armor bearer. Now, I want you to understand, we've got to realize the true weapons that are going to give us power to defeat the enemy. Saul never could recognize from David what it was that gave him power to go against Goliath and defeat that enemy. He never recognized it. Never understood that the weapons that David had were not shields and swords and spears and all kinds of paraphernalia of that sort. It was the name of his God and the relationship that David had with God and the anointing that was on his life established by an altar of worship and praise to God. Some people never get the picture. They never get the message whenever the preacher's preaching. What is the key that turns the crank and makes the church service produce to the glory of God? It is not the skill of the man that's in the pulpit. Some of you can sit and try to figure it out and try to write notes and find out what in the world does he have that I can get. Well, there's one thing, and that's an altar anointing. I'll tell you what my weapons are. They are not they are not carnal and they are powerful unto God because they are spiritual. I've got the word of God. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and I've been baptized in His name. And friend, if the name and the word and the blood and the spirit don't work, there ain't nothing on this planet that can work. You need to start recognizing the weapons that defeat the enemy and the anointing that brings the victory. Come on now. Not only do you need to learn how to offer legitimate sacrifice, you need to find out that it's not in the performance of the heart playing that causes the evil spirit to depart. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's on the man who has prepared himself at an altar. Texas Bible College, I present to you this afternoon that my God wants to prepare you at an altar to accomplish victory in the cause of Jesus Christ. But it's not in technique, it's in Holy Ghost power. Hallelujah. I want to tell you about a king by the name of Ahaz that went to a heathen temple and he saw an altar in an idol temple in Assyria while he was visiting and he wrote the pattern of the altar down and sent it back to Uriah the priest to build an altar similar to the one that he saw in this idol temple. And it's amazing that after Ahaz built his altar, he began to offer sacrifices only morning, noon, and night. The increase of his devotion was incredible when he was able to design his own altar 
out of his own convenience. He rearranged all of the vessels of the temple and put the real altar of God in a place where nobody would see it. So that he could redesign the temple for his own convenience and he increased his level of devotion when he got everything arranged according to his own preference. We are not here at Burger King. We're at the house of God. Burger King says, have it your own way. But the house of God says, let's have it God's way. It's amazing how people will give and do this and that when it fits their convenience. But we're not here to build an altar of convenience. We're here to build an altar under the Lord to do His will. If you've got a personal commitment to Jesus uh, and you want to serve God with devotion, uh, then rise up with a new altar attitude uh, and say, God, uh, I don't care whether it's convenient or not. I'm willing to do what I've got to do to see you move with power. And God's ready to do it for you right now. God's ready to set you free right now. God's ready to lift you to that higher dimension. But i got to show you how this works. You can be seated for just a moment. I want you to realize that everybody's got to get into the act. Everybody's got to flow with the Spirit. Everybody in this house has got to say, I want one thing, and I want the purpose of God fulfilled. And I want to see Jesus do His work in this house. Nobody's got to tell you to praise the Lord. But when the man of God does speak it, you're willing to give everything you've got to make it happen. And if I say clap your hands under the Lord, I think everybody in the house ought to clap their hands under the Lord. And when I say praise the Lord, I think everybody in the house ought to praise the Lord. And I want to ask you right now, clap your hands under the Lord. I didn't say stand up. But you know what? When you start obeying and doing the will of God and obeying the command of leadership, one thing Saul couldn't do is obey the command of leadership. But when you learn to submit to authority and obey the command of leadership, you'll go beyond, you'll do more than you thought was possible because submission brings authority and anointing. That's the altar we need is the altar of submission. Whatever you want, God, is what I want. I don't care how the heathen idols and temples are doing their thing. I want to know how do you want it done, God. And I'm willing to do it like you want it done. Hallelujah. When you submit and you obey authority, you receive an anointing that has power to whip Goliath. It's got power to deliver you out of the paw of the bear and out of the paw of the lion. It's got delivering power to set you free from the shackles that keep you from being effective. See, that was good. That's good. You keep on obeying authority like that, and there's no telling what kind of an anointing is going to get on you. No telling what God will use you to do. When you can learn to submit and flow with what God wants, I want you to stand right now. If you believe that God can use you, you believe that God wants to do it through you, and you want that altar attitude, and you want it now then get ready for it because God's ready to produce it in you. God's ready to fulfill His Word in you. God's ready to back up His Word and fulfill it in you. I want you right now to trust the Lord. Come on, believe God with me right now. Let's get this altar attitude. Jesus, hallelujah. Ayarabaho Satiyarama. Oh, 
the altar of submission. God wants to use some of you right now. God wants to use you mightily in His work. You are training yourself. You are equipping yourself by coming to this Bible college to be instructed by men of God who understand the Scripture and understand what Israel ought to do. And you're receiving that instruction and you need it. You need it very desperately and you're, you're receiving submission and you're learning that you've got to follow command and you've got to follow leadership in order to accomplish the work of the Lord. You're learning these things. But you still desire that anointing that will come on you so that when you leave here, you can accomplish what God wants you to do. You know that you've got to apply that knowledge and make it work for you. And you've got to make it work in your life as these brethren have made it work in their lives. You've got to personalize your convictions. And you've got to get to a point where you can say, God, I can encourage myself in the Lord now. I can self-start my own discipline, my own prayer, my own praise. I don't have to depend on someone else setting my time. I can do it myself because I love you and I want to see the work of God accomplished. If you want that anointing and you hunger for it and you desire this altar attitude, this altar anointing, that anointing that can defeat the devil anytime he comes against you, that anointing that gives you balance, even though you're walking through treacherous times and you don't understand why you got to do it. Don't understand why the decisions have to be so difficult, but you've got that altar anointing that says, God, I've got the balance. I'm going to walk it, and I know you'll walk me through step by step. If you want it and you're hungry for it, I want you to come to the altar right now. If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, if you're visiting here and you need the Holy Ghost, you need a renewing of the Holy Ghost, you need a new touch and a fresh touch of the Lord, come on, I want you to get, I want you to build yourself an altar right now. I want you to build yourself an altar in this place right now. Go ahead. Personalize every conviction you've ever heard preached from the Word of God. Make it your own. Go ahead and say, God, I'm not going to allow peer pressure to affect me. I'm not going to allow personal convenience to affect me. I'm not going to run off to some temple somewhere where they're offering illegitimate sacrifice, pattern my altar after theirs. But I'm going to find out how you want me to do it. That's it, brothers. You don't need anybody else's ministry. God will give you one for yourself. It doesn't mean you don't look at models and don't see what God has done for other men and find out their, their benefit, their blessing. But God's got a ministry for you. God can show you how He wants you to build your altar. He can show you. That's it. That's it. Go ahead. Build your own unique altar as God commands it, commissions you through the Spirit. Not out of convenience. Not what you saw down at some idol temple. But what God Himself wants to put in your life and wants to put in your heart. Go ahead. Let God work through you right now. And let him give you that altar attitude. Says, God, I want my relationship with you. I want the ministry that you have called me to have. I want to operate and I want to do it for your name's sake. Jesus will use you. Yes, he will. He'll make out of you everything he wants you to be. Go ahead and believe him. Go ahead and trust in him. Go ahead and do it right now in Jesus' name.
want those of you that are praying to stand right now. We want to move to another dimension. This is what I want you to do for me. I want you to find a friend and I want you to start praying for that friend and lay hands on that friend. And I want you to pray for them that God would give them this altar attitude that will win victories for Jesus, that will defeat enemies, but also will lead, lead the church of God to the place it's supposed to be so that the promises of God to the church can be fulfilled through your anointing, your ministry, what you have, what you are. But it takes a personalized conviction. It takes a personal relationship with God to do that. Not a technique, not a method, not a means. A personalized conviction. You know who you are. You know what you've got. And you know what it can do. Now pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. That God will use them. Not just for yourself to be used. Not just for yourself to get that altar attitude. But for your brother. Your sister. It's about time we do it. That's it. Keep praying for one another. That's it. Pour out your spirit in prayer for one another right now. Go ahead. Claim it right now in Jesus' name.